Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You're here and maybe you've always been the weak. Maybe you've always been, I've just never been that great at anything. Do you know you can be great in God? God will take someone that's never been great at anything and they can be great for him. That's the amazing thing. God will take this, all he needs is heart surrender. Right. And it's not it just doesn't diminish. Maybe you've been great at something else. It's not saying God can't. God's also not prejudiced against those that have been great. I pointed out, he said not many noble, not many. Why? He didn't say not any. Today, Pastor Bill shares in his message how the Lord loves to use unsuspecting individuals to bring great things for his kingdom. Perhaps you'll be the next David or Joseph, both of which would not have been mankind's first pick. In your weakness, you can be made strong by the Lord's power. All that is required of you is submission to his will. You don't need to have an amazing resume or on-the-job skills. Just come with an open heart and you can do amazing things for the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 24, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. To who? To those that are called. To those that God is calling to know him, calling to be with him, God says to those that are called, he's everything that we need. He's everything. Both the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than me. I love that verse. It says that the, the, I mean, God, it's the, when it says the foolishness of God, now God is not foolish. But if you can picture God said, my foolishness is better than your, the best wisdom you got. My, I mean, if I just fooling, if I just, if I just, at, at my lowest, I'm greater than your smartest. Um, my foolishness, the foolishness of God is wiser than man. And if I had a weak day, my weakness is greater than your strongest. Right. In other words, there's nothing wiser, nothing stronger than him. The problem that people have is how he presents that. If he's so wise, then we want something. The Greeks want some wisdom. That, and God said, no, I, I, I got wisdom that's even beyond you and what you want. As you look through the scripture, I, I love to read the Gospels and look at the times when they, they thought they had Jesus pinned down. You know, well, you know, if, if he says this, this will happen. If he says that, that'll happen. You know, um, they got him on the tax thing and they were getting all, you know, it's like how politicians do. It's a catch 22. If you answer either way, you can get in trouble. And it would just be wisdom. Jesus said, you know, give Caesar with Caesar's. Go get, go get the fish coming, man. Go get, the, go get that fish. Get the coin out of his mouth. Pay him off there. <laughs> you know, he would just have a way of just dealing with different situations that would come up that now. We can, now what you going to say? Now what? He has wisdom. He was greater than them. Moving on now, it says in verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren. And we're switching gears here. Now he's, he, Paul's told them some things about God. Now he's talking to them directly. So these, these words are for us. It's for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, I will point out, it says not many. It doesn't say not any. Um, God's not against um, people that are wise or noble or whatever, but he's, he's pointing at a point here. He says, you, you recognize your calling, brothers? And he's speaking to them there. He says, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, right? The way God selects, God doesn't look out and say, who's the, who's the, who's the strongest man? I need those men, outwardly speaking. That's not how he picks. Everybody, not everybody, I can't assume you know it, but for me, you guys are familiar with the story of King David. And when God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house, that the, the next king of Israel was there because Saul was jacking up 
and he went to Jesse's house and said, hey, uh, God, the next king of Israel is going to come out of your house. Can you bring all your sons out? And Jesse brought all the boys out, all the sons and lined them up. And the, the eldest son was a, you know, just a big strapping young man looked like that. And Saul looked at him and said, that's him. That's the next king of Israel. I know it. And then God spoke to Samuel. And what did he tell him? He says, God does not see like man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And as he walked down, each son, God said, nope, 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 none of them. And David wasn't even thought enough of to have been brought out. Says that he was just a little, it said ruddy. Just like a little red, cute kid, little chubby, chubby cheeks or something, you know, red. Just, just a little curly head, cute kid out there keeping the sheep. He wasn't even... His dad didn't think enough of him to even present him. And when Samuel says, is there anybody else? So, I mean, I got the youngest one out there. Why, it ain't him watching the sheep. He said, well, go, I'm not leaving until he comes. Go get him. And then David comes. And he says, that's him. What? Him? Little bitty dude? He, he never had a fight in his life. He keeps the sheep, you know. But that was it. God said, no, I see, I'm looking at his heart. I don't need the biggest, strongest guy. I need a guy like him with a heart like his heart. That's who's going to serve me as king. Because God doesn't see as man sees. God's not looking at outward things. God says, again, not many mighty. Not many mighty. David wasn't mighty when he was called, but did he become mighty? It was mighty. David, it was a beast in terms of military might and battle because God was with him. Not because he was bad, but God was with him. And so God says, not many mighty, not many wise were called. I look back to King Solomon and he was very young when he got put into the position of king. He was inherited it from his dad and he was overwhelmed. He's like, let me imagine being young and you're the king of Israel and your dad was David. Imagine trying to fill those shoes and he's overwhelmed and he prayed an awesome prayer. God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. I mean, he gave Solomon a blank check. What, what do you want? Anything you want. What if God came to you and said, what do you want? Anything you want, ask me for. I'm going to give it to you. How many of y'all, the first thing would be some millions, billions? What's the trillions? What's the, what's the highest decibel? of? I mean, just think about that. Anything you want. And what did Solomon pray? Give me wisdom to lead your people. I lack it. He didn't have wisdom when he started, but he was, he was, God put him there. And God said, I like that. I like your prayer. You didn't ask for your enemies. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask. You just you want wisdom and do a good job. I'm going to give you more wisdom than anybody's ever had before you. And since you didn't ask for it, I'm going to give you riches and peace with your enemies, too. And God gave it to him. Why I press this upon you guys, because many of us here, we're called. I want us to know this so deeply. If that were it, I would tell you. God just called you to get saved. And now go to church the rest of your life until the rapture or you die and go to heaven. That's what God called you to. But it's not. First, God calls you from out of darkness into his marvelous light. That was the first call. Come to me. Receive my forgiveness. Receive my salvation. Um, and God takes us to be his own. We become his. But then we're called to do something. Every one of us here, the saved and living, you have divine purpose in your life. You cannot find in your Bible somebody that God saved and they just didn't. They just got saved. That was it. Nobody gets saved to just do these things. Everybody's got a purpose. Every one of you here has something God wants to do in you, with you, through you for his glory. And it's to the degree that we yield ourselves to him, to that degree, God will use us. And as we look here, God says, it's not what you were when I got you. It's what you're going to be as you surrender to me. Some people are so hindered, so insecure in themselves. I don't know. I've never done that before. I'm so afraid of this. And I don't know. They just got a million reasons why to never step out and do anything great for God. 
Again, I read in my Bible people that got saved. I mean, as they surrendered, they did things they never did before. Peter was just a regular old fisherman when God called him. And God told him, Peter, you know what? You talk so much. You're going to be a fisherman. I'm going to use you one day. I'm going to use that big mouth. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially Peter was. If you follow the Gospels, anytime there was a question, Peter was like, I, I know. He's like some kids. They always, they may not even have an answer, but they're going to say something. You know, Peter always has something to say. God said, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that, man. I mean, you a fisherman, you get out there, you know how to bake the line and catch the fish and you know how to look for what's going on. I'm going to use you to be a fisher of men. And it was a process to get him there. But God got him there. When God met him, he was just a fisherman. There was nothing you saw in Peter that said that guy's going to be an amazing evangelist one day. But God said, Peter, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he followed him and God kept his word. He made him a fisher of men. And I guarantee you it was more fulfilling for Peter on the day of Pentecost to preach a sermon and see 3,000 people get saved, that I'll guarantee you that was more fulfilling than his greatest day of catching fish on the sea. Have you found that thing that God has given you to do that matters for eternity? Are you hindered? When opportunity to do something comes up, do you start looking at your deficiencies? I'm not sure. Because all you got to do is read your Bible. God told Moses, Moses, you're going to be my spokesman, but I can't speak. I got a speech impediment. I stutter. God said, I don't care about that. I called you. Don't worry about that. And he was worried about it, though. Why would God call him? Right. It's been said that God's calling is his enabling. God called him knowing God knew he had a speech thing. God said, I'm going to use that. I'm going to get the glory for it. And we're going to learn as we finish this up today that there's a reason why God picks the weak. Right. That when, when it's all said and done, people would look at what's being done and just say that have to be God. That God would be glory, that no flesh would glory in his presence. And so not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. And I just thought of some different people. And I want to go over them real quick and we're going to move on. Already said David, Joseph, when God called him, he was the youngest of his brothers. He was the least among all the men in his house. But he was the one that God gave the dream that all are going to bow down to you one day. And God brought it to pass in his life. But when, you, when God called him, he was a little kid, young guy, youngest one. And as a kid would be, he was all excited. He had a dream. He said, like, brothers, guess what? I had this awesome dream. In my dream, all you guys bowed down to me. It was awesome. And they were like, I hate that little kid. And it made him hate him. You know, that's where it began. But God brought it to pass. He would save all of Egypt. He saved everybody. You know, God positioned him in Egypt, supernaturally put him where he needed to be to save everybody. To have the wisdom to know to store up food for these seven years, prophetic wisdom and wisdom to know that there's seven years of famine coming. We're going to need this then. And so they were prepared because he was there. Right. That was Joseph. We said Solomon already Gideon when God called Gideon. Right. And this, he's one of my favorites. When God called Gideon, they were getting taken advantage of by the Midianites who just coming and whomping them whenever they wanted. Gideon, they would harvest wheat and they would, you know, sow. And when it was finally harvest time, the enemies of God would come over and just be like, give it, just tax them, take it all and leave. So they were, when Gideon was in the, they, he was underground threshing wheat, trying to hide out from the enemies as they were coming. And it, he was there hiding. I mean, I can't think of a weaker position that a man could be in threshing wheat, hiding underneath so people couldn't see him and come take it. And God comes and says, you mighty man of valor. That's the position he was in. And God came and said, man, I see what people don't. I see what you don't see. You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, yeah, right. You know, and, and that's why Gideon needed all. He said, Lord, if, you, if it's really, really, really you, then I'm going to leave a fleece out there and, and let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And then that happened. 
right? Mm, if it's really, really you. Now, next time, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. And he was having a, he didn't believe it. He was so scared. And then God, but God said, that's what I'm going to do it through you. And then God diminished the army. He said, make everybody go drink water. And, and he ended up with 300, 300 people to go and we're way outnumbered, Lord. And God said, I know. So when it's done, you guys won't be saying you did it. You, everybody's going to know I did it through you. Right. That's God's process. God said, I, I glory. I love to pick the weak. And so if you're here and maybe you've always been the weak, maybe you've always been. I just never been that great at anything. Do you know you can be great in God? God will take someone that's never been great at anything and they can be great for him. That's the amazing thing. God will take this. All he needs is heart surrender. Right. And it's not it just doesn't diminish. Maybe you've been great at something else. It's not saying God can't. God's also not prejudiced against those that have been great. I pointed out, he said, not many noble, not many. Why? He didn't say not any. So I maybe you've been great at something. I want you to sit there saying, think God won't use me because I've been great my whole life. You know, so <laughs> he's not prejudiced against your greatness if you had some. But I do want to say that that's not a prerequisite for the Lord. God takes surrender people, people that are just say, God, I believe in you and you can have access to my life. Use me as you will. And if we'll position our hearts that way, you guys, God will take weak people. He'll take people that are, are not maybe not viewed as the wisest, um, not viewed as the, the most skilled. And maybe the world doesn't have that high of a regard. But God will take you as you surrender to him and do great things in you, with you and through you. And we need to believe that, that believing that needs to cause us to come to a place where we say, God, here, you just have my life. Take me. Use me. Do something. I got so many years on this earth. Right. Death happens every day. People die every day. It ends for people every single day. Their time on earth runs out. Their opportunity on time and space ends. And when it ends, you have no more opportunity to store treasure in heaven, to impact the eternal realm. Now you enter into your eternity that you prepared. So for those of us that right now we're living and breathing and living, know that the most important thing about the rest of this life is preparing for eternity. That God, there's something that I'm going to do here that matters in eternity. And you got to make sure that every day, every week, there's something, there are things that you're doing that matter in eternity. That you wouldn't waste this whole life doing things that only matter down here. Do you spend the best of your energy, the best of your effort, the best of everything that you are to impact this temporary place? To buy you some big wheels on your silly car, you know, or something like that. Because some people, that's what they're doing. They, they spend their entire life, they'll sow it into something that is all going to burn. And have done nothing that mattered to God. Make sure, think about that every day. What have I done? What am I doing for you that matters to you? And if you can't think of something before you go to bed, do it. Call and pray for somebody. You know, go feed someone that's hungry. You, you have, the opportunities are endless. Every day it's before you nonstop things that you could do in the name of the Lord. So we want to be faithful. God, use me. Use me, God. Use me however you will. Wherever you want to send me, let, let them have access to your life. Moving on. Verse 27 it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And he says, why? that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so just look at that. So God said, I've chosen the foolish things of this world. One verse says to confound or to put to shame the wise. Guys, that's why I do it, right? For those that are wise and they're, they're all high and mighty guys, I'll pick the foolish, right? How did David's brothers feel when he came down to the war? He wasn't even invited to the war. You know how David ended up at the war? 
His dad said, hey, go take some food down to your brothers. His brothers are down at the war, but they're all chicken. So they're all, you know, everybody's afraid. King Saul's afraid. And Goliath is out there stomping back and forth every day talking about who wants some and, you know, who want to come get at me and whatever. And, you know, and David goes down to bring brother, his brother's food and he sees Goliath taunting. And he said, who, what is that? Why y'all letting them do that? And, his, you know, his brother said to him, get out of here, David. You just want to see him. Get, get out of here. They were mad. Right. And they were mad at David, but they weren't doing anything. David said, I'll fight him. What must that have felt like to all the able-bodied men that were afraid? To King Saul that was head and shoulders taller than everybody else to be the king saying, one of you guys go, I'll give you free taxes, I'll give you one of my daughters for a wife because I'm scared to go out. You know, if one of y'all go, I'll take care of you. If you die, you die. And this little kid, little cute kid, comes up and says, I'll go, I'll do it. He probably didn't have his puberty voice yet. He probably was all light in the voice, but I'll go, I'll fight him. <laughs> That's what happened. And God put his spirit on that boy. He couldn't even wear Saul's armor. He said, I can't do that, man. I got my slingshot, though. I'm pretty good with it. I got that. I go out with my slingshot. And the, my, my favorite part about that story is when he got out there, Goliath sees him. And he, he's, you know, just as, like a bully would be. And my dog, you, you know, you send a little boy. I'm going I'm to I'm feed him to the birds, you know. And it says he ran at David. And you know what it says? David ran up to David. It wasn't like David said, oh, no, what's going to happen? I wish I could see. I wish someone would make a, a visual picture of what the scripture says. But it said David ran at him like I don't think he had fear in his eyes. I don't think he doubted for a minute that he was going to win. He ran up whoop, 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 whack through the rock, hit the dude in the head. and He fell down, went, took his big old sword, cut his head off and said, I did it. You know, and you read back to that story. And you think, God, why of all the people of Israel you could have used? How come that little guy? Right. God established that day that his hand was upon David because everybody looking at that little kid saying, I don't know how he did that. God is with him. And every time he would go out and get victory, they come back. And it says the women were dancing in the street said, Saul killed his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands. Saul's gotten jealous. So I was like, he hear the women singing that song. They, they would come back. The guys would come back and every, all these women get their husbands back. That's why they were celebrating. Right. Saul killed thousands, but David 10,000. We went in victory all left and right. And Saul is just burnt over it. But why? Because God's hand was upon him. God's hand was upon him. You know, you read these stories. And you, we have to read our Bibles and believe that since God is the same yesterday, day and forever. Then some of you guys, some of your kids. Right. We need to be pouring into our kids. Some of us got kids, and I'm having to check myself on this, that I don't hold my kids back because, well, you know, you're too young for that, right? You get a little older, I'll let you do it. Well, if you want to do it now, then I need, to, I need to let them do it now. They want to serve God in some way. that They want to move forward in some area, something, and we need to pour in our kids. Go ahead. You know what? Maybe, maybe God is going to do things in your life that's beyond what I could even think, what I could even imagine, that we wouldn't hold them back or hinder them, that we speak those things to our kids. That we wouldn't speak words to them that, that hinder and hold back. But you know what? You would see the potential in your kids. Parents, need we need to see it. And they need to hear it out of you. Some parents are so good at pointing out the flaws. You need to do better at that. You need to fix that. And they might need to do all those things. But get a vision for your kid. Let the Lord speak to you about what they can be, what they can do. What, what do you see in them? And tell them. Speak it to them. Encourage them in it. Give them opportunities to step out in it. Knowing that, you know, God's not looking. You don't got to be, you know, all you have to be is available to the Lord. And then back to us. Right. We need to model it. Um, as parents, your kids need to see you stepping out in faith. When's the last time you had something to do for God that you really had to pray about? You really had to just, man, I need help, God. God, if you don't help me, this won't work. 
That should be a regular part of the Christian experience, that that you're stepping out to do things that I'm afraid if to do this. If God doesn't come, if God doesn't go with me, this is going to fail. That should be a regular part of our experience. And if you go a long time in your walk with the Lord saying, I, I just do as much as I know I can handle, then you're removing the opportunity for God to do something great. God says, I, I choose the weak that I might show up in greatness. But it's interesting that all the weak people have to do great things. They got to like they got to step outside of the fact that they know they can't do it and let God do it through them. Gideon had to go out with 300 and fight that battle. That was scary. I know he was praying. David had to run up and fight Goliath. I know he had to be trusting God. You know, Esther had to go in before the king and maybe die. And if I perish, I perish. He had to go do it, though. And on and on and on. And so you and me, there's some there are things that God's going to say, I want you to do this. I know it's bigger than what you think you could do, but just do it. Find something to do for do something for God this week, you guys. I don't, don't do something stupid, but pray. You know, God, what is some? There's some things we all know he wants us to do. It may, it may be just share the gospel with somebody. Everybody's supposed to do that. Do the work of an evangelist. So, but there may be something specific for some of you guys that God's been telling you to do. Been speaking to your heart. And you've been convincing yourself why. No, I'm not going to. That's not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not big enough, strong enough. I don't know enough. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just encouraging you as a spokesman saying, man, do that for the Lord. Amen. Maybe God's going to do through you more than maybe he's going to blow you away. And you'll see God do through you things that wow, I didn't even know that that was possible. But we got to yield ourselves to him. And so verse 28 and 29 um, and the base things of the world to put um, the things that are despised. God has chosen the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And so in each case, God picked the weak. He picked the base. He picked the things that are not. And it would bring him glory. In verse 29 he says that no flesh should glory in his presence. And that's a word to all of us that maybe God is using you. God doesn't want any of us to to glory. And if maybe God does great things through you. You want to always give him the glory. The glory always belongs to him. And he says, the reason I pick weak people is when you're weak and you're begging God to show up. Please, Lord, help. Please go before him. Please make it work. Please let it go. And God shows up and helps and lets it go. You're not going to be the person that jumps to the, oh, man, I'm so bad. I got that done. I'm, you know, you're going to be the one that says, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. You're going to be thanking God for helping. And God said, then I'll get the glory that's due me. But you know what happens when people that are great in themselves do something great for themselves and you interview them? They'll tell you how great they are. Well, you know, I work real hard and, you know, I put in the effort and, you know, and this is what I'm supposed to get. So there, you know, and we've all probably seen interviews like that where people just take it. Nobody get no shine but them. Yeah. You know, I just well, I'm, I earned this. I deserve it. God said, now I'm looking for some people that know when it's all done, that it was all me, that I would get the glory. Do you know that God wants to be glorified through your life? Jesus told his disciples, do your good deeds, your good works before men in such a way that they would see your good works and glorify your father that's in heaven. God wants to do something through all of us that when he's done doing it and it's great that people would see what he did through you and it would cause them to glorify him. That's his goal. He wants to be glorified through your life. Last thing, 30 and 31. But of him, but of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I don't want to skimp on this, but I want to just say it real quick. Look at the things that God became for us. In verse 30, he became for us wisdom from God. He became for us righteousness that we can have a right standing with God. He became for us sanctification, the process by which God caused us to become holier and holier. God's doing that. And he became for us 
redemption, that we we be redeemed. All these things, because of what Jesus is, we have. We have God's wisdom. We have God's righteousness. We have God's sanctification process at work in our lives. And we have redemption through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.